everybody, to another edition of the Third Person Podcast. I am Chris Milhouse and uh, joined with my producer, our producer for the podcast, Jim Search. Hey, Milhouse, what up, baby? How you living, man? Yeah, well, doing all right. Uh, and for those of you wondering, um, you know, I usually have a co-host that's very famous who I ride their coattails. Uh, <laughs> goes by the name of Mr. Daryl Hammond. Uh, so Daryl uh, wanted to take this week off. Uh, you know, we all uh, need a week off here and there. He's got a lot of things going on. He's fine, just in case anybody's wondering. But, um, you know, he wanted to, you know, you know, a couple of days to just kind of chill out. And then we've got some really great episodes coming, especially next week. Um, but, yeah, in the meantime, we figured we would go back in the vaults. We have a few episodes that we recorded um, during this, you know, pandemic that we haven't released and uh we're going to release one that we recorded back in i think it was september, september. yeah 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 that was yeah so when things were easier uh, and life wasn't falling apart yeah. remember in september everything was chill i remember when it's who would have thought that a few months ago would have been the simpler times <laughs> you know yeah remember in september? simpler times during during a pandemic when we weren't storming the Capitol and we weren't impeaching our president again Twice. for the second time. Yeah. Twice. And I think it bears to be said that we're recording this the day that he got impeached again. This is Yeah, you know, second. it's the second time's the charm, right? <laughs> hey, listen, you know, when you want to set records, man, he's he's about it. He is the only president to have ever been impeached twice and to only serve one term. That's true. So. And more importantly, he's the only cast member from Home Alone 2, Lost <laughs> in New York, that's ever been impeached twice. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that's an accomplishment. I think that should go in the, in the Trump presidential library with and, all his tweets. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and also, let's not forget that he is in the WWE Hall of Fame. That's another thing that we can say about him confidently. There's a, yeah. a real multi-hyphenate, Chris. There's a, he's a real, yeah, yeah. lot, lot of, lot of hats that guy wears. Well, whatever, man. I mean, I, uh, I just, I'm ready for the next administration. I'm ready for some better times. I am ready for us to, you know, get this pandemic under fucking uh, out of the way. And I'm excited that, uh, hopefully we'll be able to get vaccinated. Were you able to get vaccinated? You were talking about getting vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, I actually, um, I was able to get an appointment, uh, because, you know, during the day I, uh, I teach. So because of that, uh, I fit into the next group of people who get to be vaccinated. So I'm going nice. to get my shots the end of the month. And then my follow-up is, like, in the middle of February. So I will be ready to not wear a mask and cough everywhere, right? Isn't that what happens after you take the vaccine? Everything is fine, just, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm just excited to spit in strangers' mouths again on the mm-hmm. subway like we used to, like the olden times, like God intended. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's the reason I moved to this city, was to fulfill my dream of spitting uh, everywhere and everyone. So... <laughs> Now I can fulfill my destiny, Chris. That's- yeah, well, good luck with that, man. I am at the bottom <laughs> of the list, uh, which is, you know, um, typical for me. Uh, so who knows when I'll be able to get it. But uh, at the same time, I am willing to take it. Uh, I said this publicly. I've had Taco Bell completely sober. Give me the mm. vaccine. Mm-hmm. I don't care what goes in my body. I don't care. I want it all. Give it, give it to me. I am ready to get this shit going, man. Well, listen, let me tell you something. When I go in there uh, to get my shots, I'll see if I can steal some. 
I'll see if I can grab some extra vials. Oh yeah, you know they might they might just have some laying around just to ask him like, hey, I got a friend that would need this. Is that cool? Yeah. Slip him a hundo, you know? Like I'll pay you back. Like like when we used <laughs> to go into restaurants, and you could slip the mater d uh, a fifty to get a good seat. I'll do that with the nurse. Yeah, slip a absolutely. 50 <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, how's it going? And then say, you you got any in the back? I mean, look, I can't, you can't yeah. use all of them, right? <laughs> Maybe somebody canceled today, so just give it to me. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll look. It's New York. I'll find a syringe. Don't you worry about that. We'll get that. No. Yeah. We'll just walk down the street and find it. I mean, I can just look at the Hudson River. There's plenty of you know floating around. <laughs> yeah. I think I saw one that somebody kindly left for you know someone else to use in the subway tracks. I'll go get it. That's the literal definition of one step forward, two steps back, is to take a vaccine. <laughs> And then find a hypo from, from then, the syringe. Yeah, and then from find the syringe a, you found on the subway. <laughs> yeah, like I'm ready to beat COVID, but who knows what's around the corner with this syringe? Let's do it. Fuck it, man. I'm just uh, trying to beat. <laughs> I'm trying to put out this fire with gasoline, baby. Let's. Uh, let's yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, before we uh, we get jump into our episode. Real quick, uh, I just want to say to all of our listeners and our subscribers and our downloaders, uh, guys, thank you so much for, you know, being supportive of our podcast and uh, happy new year. I hope you guys have a better year than the dumpster fire that was 2020. And uh, don't forget, please, guys, give us a rating. Give us a rating. Five stars, even if you don't think we're five star worthy. Just throw us a bone. Give us a late holiday gift, you know? Like, I mean, come on. Anything is better than nothing. So five stars yeah. would be a nice uh, belated holiday gift, early Christmas present for next year, early birthday present, whichever you want to do. Uh, leave us an, a, a nice little comment. And uh, don't forget to follow on social media. Follow on the media. Come on, please. I need the numbers so I don't look like a hack that's, uh, you know, riding the coattails of an SNL legend, even though that is what I am. Um, my social media handle is at Chris Millhouse, uh, with two L's in Millhouse. Uh, Jim's is at Jim search. And then Daryl's is at Daryl C Hammond. Uh, he, he's verified. You can easily find him. Uh, me, you really have to scrape the bottom of the barrel of the social media to find me. So that's why it's important to know the spelling of my name. Um, Anyway, uh, with all that uh, being said and out of the way, let's get into this episode. We recorded it back in September uh, with our guest, uh, who is a former SNL cast member. He did one season on Saturday Night Live, uh, but he's a very, very funny stand-up comic. He's been an actor and a few other things. Um, his name is Brooks Whelan, and he's great. And this episode was great, and it was fun to record. Um, we just have so many episodes in the vault that we it takes us a little bit of time to release them all. So... Uh, without further ado, here is our episode with Mr. Brooks Whelan. Hey, there you are. It working? Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Brooks Whelan. Yo, what up, guys? Hey, Daryl. Hey, bro. How's it going, man? Oh, shit. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm trying. I'm drinking a ton of coffee and I'm fucking trying, but... uh <laughs> Yeah, I just need a run to to try to combat the um, one run will take away twelve beers from the night before, right? Yeah, wow. you hope so. <laughs> you know? That's a one to one. For those of you, for those of you guys don't know uh, our our guest today, um, you should. Brooks is a very funny stand up comic, and he is also a former SNL cast member, just like yeah, Darryl me and Daryl did just as well. 
<laughs> yeah. 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 Justice for equal. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. We, we Similar were flying. Tenure. We were flying on the same glide path. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but once you, uh, I mean, for you guys, what's fun about me being a part of this podcast with Daryl is that when we bring on people that have been SNL cast members like yourself, like once you've been on that show, man, you guys have that, that cool bond and you, you know, you guys have done something that most people have not. And it's very, you know, whether it ended the way you wanted to, whether, you know, things went the way you thought, uh, it still was very cool time in your life, you know, that you guys can share that, you know, and that's, that's kind of something that uh, I'm a little jealous of, you know? I'm not convinced it ever really ends the way you want it to over there, even if you had a good career. I mean, my personal feeling is that getting off of SNL was almost harder than getting on SNL. I mean, it's complicated and murky, you know? <laughs> it's you, you almost have to have spent a little bit of time where your time is up and you're still there. And that's what happened yeah. to me. Is it like playing sports professionally? Where well, we had like, to opt, you know, that kind of thing. Well, that's that's a that's a debatable question. I mean, it's um, you know, at the end of it, for me, it wasn't that I couldn't walk up the same amount of stairs every day, or that I didn't have the same physical energy. But the, the my psyche, after a while. It wears you down, and after eleven, I stayed fourteen, which was three too long. And uh, after eleven years, I was like, remember, I remember, you know, I, I told my manager Bernie Brilson, I'm like, I'm, I'm done. He's like, I'm not taking you out of there while they're paying you that money, brother. As long as they're paying you that money, you're staying. So I ended up staying another three years, which at one point was just sort of incredibly painful for me. You know, you, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, bro? Uh, well, I just, I mean, like, mine was the opposite. You know, I, you know, you, I, I only did one year, and I felt like, you know, the last six episodes, I really enjoyed it because it finally clicked a little bit. I was starting, I, I got like six sketches on the last six episodes, you know, and I was like, okay, I feel like I've learned how to do this show, and I hope that, um, you know, Lauren and those guys are, you know, looking at it that way of like, okay, you figured it out. Uh, so I was the opposite. I was like, I l really loved the end of the, my first year because that's when I was having fun with in st starting to get like, figure out how to get the fuck on the show. And then it was, you know, like, nah, as soon as you figured it out, you're gone. <laughs> so I feel like we had the opposite uh, experience of bailing to where I'm like, now yeah. I get it. Yeah. But I mean, who, I, I've got my buddies who are going into their eighth season that we started with now. And yeah, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's ever a right or wrong time to leave. No, and it, 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 it always is with sorrow or regret or I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I haven't heard of happy departures from SNL because it's a hard place to leave. <laughs> and it's, a hard, it's a hard place to leave a life in which your phone really never stops ringing. You know, every agent you know, all the people you know in show business, all the people on your team all the time calling you and they're in limo rides and blah, 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 you know. and oh, I, you, I, just enjoyed, I just like being on call, you know. I like being like, hey, you got to get over here. I love being that busy. Like, hey, you're in this. I just enjoy, I don't know, what I did like about it is I've been on other shows and there's no other show in the world where – 
you have an idea Wednesday morning and it's on TV Saturday. You know, like the, the quickness of it was so fucking rad to me. And w- when that went away and how slow regular Hollywood is comparatively, that is very annoying. Yeah, but to w- yeah. what you were saying earlier, though, when you like towards the end of your season, it showed, man, you were crushing at the end. And I was, well, I, was I mean, I was bummed for you. I man. was only I was I wasn't necessarily I mean, I was just getting stuff to dress that I wasn't getting before. It was just fun. It was fun. When you seem to make it click. Like you said, you seem to it really it was one of those things that like I can't imagine being put on that show because I you know, I'm not a sketch character actor. And like, I don't know how that whole thing works like you guys do. But like once you kind of find your groove and you go with it, man, that's that, that was tough. And I, I remember us hanging out a little bit. Um, uh, I remember the first week, your first week, you and I hung out in New York. We hung yeah. out at, we hung out at cabin. I don't know if you remember this cause we were drinking, but, um, it was, uh, we did cabin and it was like, I think cabin was like on a Thursday and I was like really surprised to see you there. And I was like, yo, like, uh, what's, what's, what's up? And you were like, yo, I'm just not in any sketches this first week. And I was like, oh, okay. I was wondering like, weren't you supposed to be at SNL? And we just, you know, we hung out and just got hammered and you were like, dude, I'm so excited about this thing. Yeah. I mean, that's what the one thing that kept me sane was stand up. Cause if you, if, you know, I was blanked on, if I was only in like one sketch and I didn't have any heavy lifting, I would, you know, go do stand up comedy to feel funny. Yeah. And you would always, I mean, you know, to your credit, man, you, every time you'd come and do, uh, I have, for the listeners, I have a, a show that's called comedy juice and I, I used to run it in New York at Gotham and, uh, he would always come in and Brooks would always drop in or, or like, you know, let me book him. And, uh, it was just crushed, like that, was crushed anybody. Actually, that comedy juice was the night I realized I needed to move away from New York city. Cause I got hit by a car on my bike riding over to do it. Oh shit. It, did you? Yeah, and then my bike got stolen when I was on stage, and I was what like, the "I got to leave New York. I, this place beat the shit out of me." Like, Dude, I, I I never heard that. You never told me that. Yeah, I'd been like fired, but I stayed in New York out of spite for like six months because I, you know, felt like uh, they don't tell me where I live. Now I live in New York now. And then, uh, and then after I got hit by a car and then bike stolen, I was like, hey, "You know what, LA? I, I had a nicer time there." <laughs> that would be like doing doing stand up and getting hit by a swarm of bees, you know? Yeah. Like physical injury and fear, you know? Um, don't, yeah, it was, don't don't mix with lighthearted stuff. No, it was uh, it was none fun. Daryl, when did you? Where were you before you did the show? Were you did, were you in Los Angeles and then go to New York, or were you in New York? I was in New York for most of it. I mean, I never was in L.A. until the last few years. I mean, consistently in L.A., but... Um, I, I meant before I, you were hired to do the show. I was bumming around down in the village trying to get spots. Oh, <clears> no. <throat> you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was doing spots every night at the cellar, and, you know, I'm like you during my slow weeks, and it seemed like with me, I, I got most of my stuff at the end of the week, and most of my weeks were slow weeks, and I did do a lot of spots during the week at the cellar. It keeps your mind, you know, keeps your mind sharp. Yeah. It's so much better than sitting home and wondering if you're going to make it on this fucking show. Oh, man. Yeah. I had the, so I had the worst. So, uh, I mean, I shared an office with um, – I know you do the announcements now with Beck and Kyle. Me, Beck, and Kyle all shared an office, um, you know, and uh, – that like, you know, Friday night where they write the cold open, you know, we'd be sitting there fucking bumming 
And then there'd be a phone ring and, you know, I'd answer it and then it, I would be like, oh, I hope it's for me. And they'd be like, is Beck there? I'm like, God damn it. Beck got put in the fucking cult and, you know, hand it over to Beck. It, that was <laughs> like, that was like the most anxiety is when the phone would ring and be like, which one of us three? And the worst was two of the three of us would get put in a sketch and you'd feel bad. <laughs> it was so and I was always, you know, I was always amazed by the number of successes I would have that I was so thrilled about that never would make it on the air. For some reason, you know. Um, yeah, my favorite shit was cut. I got, yeah. I mean, dress was so much more fun for me. I don't know if it was just because I f- was in it more, but I really loved doing dress. Well, the stuff that I would do and read through when I would be doing these bizarre characters and the thing would kill and it wouldn't get picked. Or, you know, I would have something that killed in dress, but it just didn't get picked for air. You know, and a lot of times that had to do with I, I was told look, if the host wanted to do something bizarre or the host wanted to do an update and all of a sudden they were short on time. So they got into the golf sketch and went, you know, what? let's lose that lose that fucking golf sketch. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, celebrity number 113, you know, can sing, mm-hmm. can sing a Christmas carol, which actually yeah. happened to me. No, that ha- that happened to me too, dude. I had this great sketch. It was the only sketch in the Christmas episode where it wasn't a Christmas song, and it was about uh, King Kong. And it was this King Kong sketch about how we were we brought we were the guys who captured him, and it was me and Jimmy Fallon were pitching bringing him to Broadway. And the idea was Kong had been raping me, and we were romantically involved twin brothers who <laughs> refused to play theater politics. And uh, it, uh, it was just bizarre, maniac, crazy sketch that was going to end in the episode. Lauren was into it. It was like the rare time Lauren was super on board with something that I wrote. And uh, then, but then they were like, oh, there's this baby. It's cold outside where Jimmy can sing with Cecily and it fits. And I was told like in the, you know, in the pics I was on and baby, it's cold outside was off. And then, you know, after that happened, like, they were like, you know, they talked about how, I guess, you know, I don't know what happened, but they were like, hey, we can do Baby It's Cold Outside this weekend only. We'll do your Kong rape sketch next week. And then, you know, of (laughs) course, the next week when I was like, hey, what about King Kong? They had no idea what I was talking about. I was like, oh, fuck. If I were writing a book about SNL, that would be my first sentence. Baby, it's cold outside. Can only play tonight. We'll do the Kong raped you sketch next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly what that's it is. The, oh, that's the first, first paragraph. And I like, I like, I like to think about how like you had to repitch that like every single week. Like, no, but I yeah. swear to God, like King Kong is raping the fuck out of me. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. in the neck race and I had to put lipstick on and everything. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it's like because you you have the pitch on Monday night with the host there, and you go in Lauren's office and you give the host a little idea of what uh, you might be doing. So you're sitting in there going, "Well, I have this thing about um, coal in Arkansas and." Uh, sort of uh, like, you know, a King Kong raped me. Uh, <laughs> like a, like a, Kong, a Kong rape sketch. It's just yeah. so silly. It's so funny. <laughs> Jimmy's credit. He was on, he loved it. Like he told me at the, he t- <laughs> I remember Jimmy Fallon told me at the after party, he's like, I'll come up and do that sketch with you any week, man. I was like, I don't think that's how the show works. Like <laughs> that host might be a little jealous if like one of the greatest cast members just came up and took over their show. 
You should be like, you should hit him up now and be like, can we do that on the Tonight Show? Or uh, what? Yeah, sure. Yeah, he would love. <laughs> yeah, to but it, it sounds like a really great show you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got Kong. Kong raped me on the bench. Yeah. In the wings, you know. Mm-hmm. Did you have any other uh, sketches, either one of you, that like you really were like so in love with that you wrote, and you're like, dude, this is so fucking funny that you and, and they never made it, where you're just still like, dude, I think they could still do this. Like, it's still maybe something that bugs you that never made it on. You know, I I think what I had to get used to, and and it took a long time, and it finally just sort of wore me down, as I was told it would eventually, and that was, you know, there's 23. I'll, Getting a, a live television show, a bunch of stuff from the 17th floor to the 8th floor to live on the air in front of millions of people, there's 23 logical reasons why your piece won't make it. From sets that don't work, from timing. I mean, it's a live TV show. Yeah, I bet. It's a really tough ship to, to be in charge of. But was there any like, sketches that just stuck out to you still in your head where you're like, man, that would have been so fucking good? Like, I mean... He had the King Kong rape one, obviously, but like uh, I don't know if there's any more that that just didn't make it that you guys, either had, one of you. Had. My favorite, my favorite one ever was, and everybody was an audible. It was like a rare the team was on board with it, Daryl. You know what I mean? Where like even people who didn't have anything to do with it wanted to see it go. Was this little? There was a little kids bodybuilding competition. It was a little, called Little Buff Boys, where Keen was the host, but he'd clearly been in some trouble for. Uh, things he had, he was clearly, he couldn't get within, you know, 50 feet of the little buff boys. And, uh, <laughs> and he was judging us. And then he sang a song, um, while the judges tall, judges tallied their score. And he just hit play on his, on shuffle on his iPod. And it, it was, I'll make love to you by boys to men. <laughs> so, Keenan screaming, I'll make love to you to little kids who he'd clearly, had uh, checkered past it while wow, he was like, I'm going to get in trouble again. And the police came and I was like, if I get this on TV, this will be fucking rad. Cause it's so <laughs> stupid. Um, and then I got cut for time. And that those are the worst. The cut for times when you're dressed like an absolute asshole and they're like, Hey, it's not on go wave. Good night. And pretend you're not the most depressed you've ever been. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite is seeing those people. Like, I'm like, why was why why was Daryl dressed as a pig on and the, on the goodbye wave? Because he was he about ready to do a funny pig thing. He was like, no, I never saw that sketch on the episode. What the fuck was that? No, it was going to be Jay Leno is a pig who also <laughs> drives a beer truck for the mob. <laughs> you know, he's also my third base coach in Little League. Yeah, that sketch. I you know I remember yeah. that one. There were there were dozens like that. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine because I just was I was barely I was barely there, and I have like you know five that I'm like fuck. I really believe in those, and uh, so I'm sure thirteen year fourteen years you have fucking a hundred that you're like that would have worked. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, after eleven years, I was like y'all. I don't know what else I can do here. <laughs> you know, you got a brand new administration. I don't play anybody in the Obama administration. I've been wondering when it was time to leave, and I think the time is now. This, and but my manager didn't. Didn't I mean the people in my world who were getting checks are like, no, it's not. Yeah, 
No, no, no. Our bank account still needs that money. So, you know, you keep working so I can have this house in Malibu. You mean, you mean utter oblivion for all of us again? No, it's not time for that. It's not time for fucking silence and nobody's phone ringing anymore. No. No, not, not at all. Keep the show going. How's the show been? Because you went back. You Do you go in for Saturdays right now, Daryl? Do you do it there? Well, I mean, like, not for Corona, but for the past few years. Because I left, I was the year, you do the announcing, right? Now, I mean, I can't, I can't watch the show, as I'm sure you understand, after yeah. being fired. But you would do the announcing. Do you do it on, do you do it in 30 Rock? I haven't in a long time. I did it, um, you know, last year a couple of times. I had some cameos, so I was there and I did it. But mostly I recorded from West Hollywood. Okay. Um, but I, I think if if there are any such a thing as any live shows this year, I guess I'll do some of them live. Yeah. And, and um, I understand the whole thing about you can't watch the show, you know. Yeah, um, it just gives me. I just like fucking crippling anxiety. <laughs> yeah, I remember there was you know the guy that drew that uh, Tom Brady. Uh, I think his name was Drew Bledsoe or something. Mm-hmm. Had an accident. He was a good quarterback, you know, for the Patriots. He had an accident, and he gets replaced by some fucking kid oh, by the name of Tom Brady or some shit. You know, and, of course, Brady, they said that Bledsoe just, I think he's the guy I'm thinking about. He yeah, it, it, is, it was true Bledsoe. And he, yeah, he didn't, even own a, he didn't even own a fucking TV where he lived. He's like, no, I can't even hear the word football. Right. <laughs> I can't hear the letters NFL, and I can see why it'd be hard for you to to, to watch. Because it's been hard for me to watch sometimes, you know. When yeah, I lost yeah. cer- when I lost certain parts and stuff, I'd be like, "Fuck! I wanted to do that so bad, so bad," and um, it was hard to live without it. Let alone let alone watch the show without yourself in it anymore. Right? Yeah, I was just always I was. Uh, jealous i like because you know the guys who i felt like felt i don't know who felt comfortable on it how they got to have fun in the live you know during the during the live show and i felt so much pressure to do well as opposed to have fun and i was like oh i would love to get to the third fourth year where you can have fun while you're doing it as opposed to don't fuck up you get to think let's have fun with this which i don't know if that ever does happen but in my dumb brain i want i thought it would yeah, I mean, there's some really magical people that over the years have somehow found a way to just have a good, fun time that night. You know, it, for me, I was always, like, just deadly serious. And I think that maybe 50% of the shows that I did, I went home thinking I've, I've disgraced myself. <laughs> I, I've, you know, I, I've, either, I've either sucked on air... Uh, you know, because my brain, that's why I never watched myself. I, my brain would look at a sketch that people go, that's pretty good. And I'd be like, I fucked up that line, that line, that line. You know, there, it's live. It's never as good as you want it to be. Or in my case, it was never as good as I wanted it to be. Right, right. I remember there was one there was one show Drake hosted where I only had one line in the whole sketch, the whole show, which is the, like the worst because that's you know you so in your head get my one line right and it was like you know four minutes into a five minute sketch I've been standing in the background the whole time of and I fumbled it 
uh, it was, I was supposed to say like, that's what I'm talking about. And, and uh, I, you know, I was like, and that's what, that's what I'm talking about. Like I totally ruined it. <laughs> and I just remember Brian Tucker came up afterwards who I really love and he's awesome. And he was like, well, you had one line and you couldn't do it. <laughs> I, like, I know, man, I was there. Did you make anybody laugh um, in that sketch with that by fucking up? No, it oh. would just fumbled the whole sketch. No, it was like everyone's like, what? Like I just what? mispronounced the word. Because usually, I don't know, because I, I, you know, if somebody stumbles and fumbles like that, like I, I would laugh if I was on, you know, I'd be like, what an idiot. You know, but, yeah, like, but not if you're like the new guy who they're like, oh, he probably shouldn't be fumbling yet. <laughs> yeah. Never yeah, and you, and, and you know that in, in, in nanospace, in those sketches, there's 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 a millisecond where you need to drop it. Just this little opening for you to drop that line to get your laugh. You know what I mean? Right. And if you yeah. miss it by one, one millibeat before or after, just a tiny bit off the beam. It's like hitting, hitting a, a, a sawhorse with an axe, but you don't actually hit the sawhorse. Right. And the fucking and and, and you've, it's killed it killed in, in tech it killed in read through it killed in dress, but it didn't kill on air. Yeah, that's because I mean, Daryl. Daryl was yeah. a little stale and a little late on that one, and you know yeah. you. It's hard. I remember I like my favorite the only like really good sketch I got on. I, I wish I could be like, can we put up the dress version because like it did well on air, but I. Daring dress, I was like, I'm gonna be. A, this is the best sketch I've ever been a part of, and I wanted, I wanted to be like, can we show that one instead of the air one because fuck, it was better. <laughs> well, I guess sometimes in repeats and distribution, they they might show the dress. Well, it wasn't th- just in my head; it was, you know what I mean. And it it was better and it was funnier, but it ju- it wasn't like anything went wrong. And it was the air did go well, but. Man, the dress I missed. I was like, God, that one was funny. <laughs> yeah, you know, <clears throat> Dana Carvey hosted the show, and he, <clears throat> it was a, his mission in life to make <clears throat> sure that I had a sketch that night that that was big for me. He wrote the fucking thing. Like, he really, you know, Dana was a guy that made a big difference in my life, and he taught me a lot about how to be on the show. But one of the things he said to me, he goes, Always leave a little leftover for air. And I thought, but how the fuck do you get the air? Oh, yeah. No, that's <laughs> yeah, a great I'm, point. I'm like, yeah, but but he, he's totally right. The sketch needs to be good. Just good. Good and solid, and we hit all our marks. And if you got a little extra, bring it on the air. But, man, I, I, I could never do that. I was like, nah, I got to shoot my... I gotta shoot my wand on the fucking air just because <laughs> yeah. I, I got no confidence that I'll be able to do get this to air, you know? No, a thousand percent. Yeah, it's like, dude, you gotta fucking take a swing at dress because you want to be able to do it on air. Yeah, that's. I think that's the confidence that comes with uh, Dana Carvey. Be you know how just that amount of confidence uh, must he just like? Yeah, no, it's gonna get to air. I, I'm not even worried about it getting to air. I just you know. Boy, was he a master of that four-minute theater. God damn. Master. Yeah. Well, I mean, were you there? You were there. You were gone. Well, he he left in what? Like, 94? I, 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 came, I, I came in 95. So he, he was gone a year or two before I, I got there. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, it was incredible. Um, so you, you came in 95. Is that when they did the full rehaul? Like you, Farrell, everybody came that year? Yeah. I was mean, that the year they, they dropped? So they dropped Farley and Sandler, and then you guys all came in? Yes, although I'm not sure that Farley and Sandler were ever dropped, but I well, guess I mean, they, they came. Claimed, they claimed they were fired. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Sandler oh. did that in his, in his opening monologue. He did sing a song when he finally came back to host. Was it a year ago or two years ago? He sang a song about yeah, how he was they got, fired. They got oh, fired. I didn't know. That. I didn't know that. And didn't well, I know there's like this old story. I don't know if it's a rumor or what. Because I mean, obviously, I I I, I wasn't there, but. Um, the rumor was, or the story was, a legend is that Farley got fired and he put his ass out the window and took a shit out the window of 30 Rock onto the fucking street because he was pissed uh, off. Uh, he might have done that, but I don't think that you do that after you get fired because after you get fired, you just kind of sadly get your shit. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if, if, if that's the case, uh, that's fucking legendary is what I'm trying to say. I think he did shit out the window. I mean, it's in a book, <laughs> but I, don't, I think it was yeah, like... somebody's book, right? I think it was like Amy Poehler's book or something, right? Somebody, I don't know. Somebody's book. I don't know. That's all that, that's... So what I'm trying to say is, Daryl, when you when you quit being an announcer, I want you to take a shit out of fucking uh, Mueller Michael's window. <laughs> I don't know. That might be, you know, I, I'm all for social discontent, but that might be a bridge too far. <laughs> you know, taking a fucking dump on 49th Street. Can you imagine <laughs> yeah. get arrest, getting arrested for that? <laughs> you know? The cops yeah. coming upstairs going, all right, where is he? Who's the shitter? Where is he? <laughs> I know it's one of you. <laughs> but, all right. Um, so we don't, we don't have to obviously, uh, you know, dwell too much on SNL stuff. Uh, but I, here's one thing that I always found interesting about you, Brooks, is that, uh, weren't you a scientist before you got on SNL? Uh, yeah. Until the day of, uh, I got, I was, uh, like on a lunch break when I got the, I, I got hired to write for the show by Lindsay Shookus. Uh, she just called, it was like a Monday I was getting, yeah. And I was about to get fired. Cause I had just gone to New York for too long, you know, cause, <laughs> cause they like bring you out and then they're like, you know, it's already fuckery. Like, uh, you know, I did the showcase, thought it went terribly, went back to my hotel and then was packing up my agent calls. And she's like, they want you to stay a few more days in New York. I'm like, I got a real job. Like that didn't <laughs> go good. I don't think I'm going to get this. And she's like, they want you to stay. So I stayed in New York the rest of the whole week. And didn't have another meeting, didn't talk to anybody, just to have me sitting there. Uh, so I kept just calling my work and be like, I'll be back tomorrow. I don't know. And then I got back and I was getting fired. We'll demote it to a part-time at my job at Caltech. When uh, Shook is called and was like, hey, we are going to bring you out here. Um, and she, I remember she was so nice. She was like, at the very least, you're going to be a writer this season for the show. And I was like, at the very least, that's my fucking dream. That's incredible. Mm, that's yeah, awesome. So I helped my boss out. He didn't have to fight. It was like, he was a really nice guy. And I was like, hey, man, I, I got to go move to New York. I'm going to write for this TV show. And he was like, that's incredible. I was going to have to like promote you. And I was bummed about doing that. I was like, dang, it works <laughs> out for everybody. But what kind of scientist were you, though? Like, what were you doing? Um, that I, w- I went to college for biomedical engineering. So I, that was, uh, I was working on an interocular lens replacements there and before that i was working on uh, bioprosthetic heart valves but it was all just a way to get out of iowa it was like i treated it like 
I could give a fuck. It was just a way to get to move to Los Angeles or New York City to pursue comedy. Yeah, it's so funny though. So like, no, nobody I've met has have ever gone from doing what you did to Saturday Night Live and being stand up and like. It's just such a weird leap that it was I, – I, I admire it, man. That's pretty cool. Well, it was just like I didn't have a way out of Iowa. You know, I wasn't like – I and uh, so I just went to the University of Iowa and got a degree that I thought I could maybe use to move out of Iowa. Yeah. And um, – Were you living in Orange County? Yeah, I was working in Irvine. That's right. Uh, I, yeah, I remember that. And I was just driving from Irvine up to Hollywood every day. It was fucking a nightmare. Oh, uh, that was the worst. Yeah. I think, I think, what year did you move uh, out there, like where you were doing like stand up and stuff? 2009, I moved. Okay. And I remember we would hang out at the Comedy Juice up at the uh, Melrose Improv. And I would be so nervous to walk in there, but I would have so much fun on Wednesday nights. It was the best. Yeah, I mean, I moved there in 2008 and I didn't even work for Comedy Juice for a few years after moving there. Um, and I just remember hanging out there and it was just such a, crazy vibe like when you're new like i you know i was in san diego before that just starting comedy i was i was working in radio and then i was like well let me try comedy in la and i moved up to la and it was just such an insane vibe to go from you know doing open mics in in san diego and doing bar shows to going up to la and being at comedy juice which at the time was the hottest show in the world like it was like bonkers Like every lineup had like Chris Rock and Daniel Tosh and, you know, Dane Cook and all these like, you know, heavy hitters just back to back. And like, you know, and I'm just sitting there in awe, like just some open mic kid, like, you know, and I remember meeting you and I remember meeting Santino around the same time. And, you know, like, um, I'm trying to think Brent Morin, Brent Morin and I met, like we became friends and, you know, I know all of us, like we didn't really know each other that well, but we, you know, we'd hang out and drink and hope that we get to do one of these shows. Yeah. I mean, that was the goal. I mean, yeah. And then I just started running the shows. <laughs> I remember I got booked on comedy juice and lost my mind. And then like one year later was on SNL. And I was like, that was really quick. That was, <laughs> yeah. I remember I told my buddy from high school, I was like, yo, I'm on, I got SNL. And he, he, he goes, seems a little too fast. And he was, <laughs> he was right. <laughs> you're like well yes you're right but also funny. fuck you <laughs> you know no, he's my best friend and he, he was the only one who was who was like i don't know man I, I don't know if you're ready for that and he was i guess he was right oh man but no it's that's you know it's nothing to uh to be ashamed of obviously not that you are no, but it was, like you're super cool plus you yeah. get to there and everybody's got stories what year did you leave daryl who what was your final year there i think it was 2007 so let's go from let's see came in 95 2005 is 10 years and then 14 years would be um 2009 right yeah so you worked with like bobby i'm trying to think who i would have worked with that you worked with because i came right after like sudeikis left and sandberg and hater um and then you know the ratings dropped and they were like i was like yeah you just have these three fucking movie stars leave um but uh, so, but you worked with like Bobby. Bobby would have been there when you were there, right? Which Bobby? Bobby Moynihan. Oh, sure, of course. <laughs> yeah. I, did some, I did some of my my best sketches with him when he was playing um, Chris Christie, and I was playing Trump. He, I loved being out there with Bobby. He had such great energy. Yeah, him and Keenan. I mean, Keenan was truly the nicest, most welcoming person in that whole building. Yeah, and and a real sleigh master too just as calm and friendly and 
emitting all this good energy, and then he walks out there in front of millions of people and hit and just slays. Yeah, he I've, heard, I've that, heard that from multiple cast members about how welcoming he is and how he's the guy that like you makes you feel at ease when you walk in that building as a new person. Yeah, he would sit down with me, just me and him, and we'd work on we we wrote I think three sketches together. But I mean, like when you're that senior and you're he's reaching out to a guy not doing well on the show, like, you know, because you, when you're not doing well, you kind of get a little toxic on the show, like, you know, but Keenan was always like, just come in and come in. Let's write this sketch. Let's work on this sketch. And he was great, man. He just wants you to to succeed because he wants the show to succeed. He was the best man. Towards the end there, when I was having a hard time getting on the air, Seth Meyers would, I mean, every fourth show would write me uh, some brilliant fucking peace just just so i could just redeem myself a little bit because my time had passed you know and i knew it and it was just hard to i wasn't playing anyone in the new administration there was nothing for me to do right you now i mean seth i was there the year seth was a big reason why i got hired because he's he was the, he saw me in the montreal comedy festival but then he left to go do his show halfway through so right. i have to like I love Seth the most, and he's a, he's like my favorite like yeah, boss I've, seen, I've ever had. I've also seen you do his show multiple times, and it always seems yeah. like you guys drink beers on the show, <laughs> like, or you did. Anyway. Yeah, I went out and opened for Seth and for a little bit this last summer, and then I was like, "Can I just come do stand up on your show?" He's like, "Of course!" Like he does. He's so, so freaking nice. He's the best. That's awesome, man. I have I've never met him, uh, but I have always only heard great things about him. He's never not. He's not the least bit jealous of other people's success, and it actually kind of tickles him a little bit. I mean, the guy's got a good spirit. That's all I can say. Yeah, man. The first update I did, like, uh, I don't. I think he was just as happy as I was with how it went because it went really well. And you know, he was like, he just really was so happy that it went well for me. And he knew I was nervous. Of course, you're nervous first time doing it. And yeah, like, really felt truly happy for me out in the hall and it was really cool like that was at the time i was like this is a good dude yep that's awesome man he made my life so much easier and he he went out of his way to do it you know i won't forget i won't forget it yeah now do you have do you also have a, a travel show brooks like i feel like i saw some clips on your social media about a travel show uh i have like kind of a I mean, it's like I have like a half-assed travel show through all things comedy where I just take people camping. It's called Travels and Such. And, but if we just go around L.A., there's like no budget. We just go camp in the woods and drink and swim. and sh- It's just like uh, kind of like um, it's like how Bill Burr has his – you play poker with him and Burr Crusher, you cook with him. And oh, me, yeah, yeah. It's just a all things comedy, a little offshoot. Well, that's awesome. I mean, also, you do more traveling than anybody I've ever met in my life, man. You're always going to cool spots. Well, I just drive around. I mean, like, what else are we doing right now? I, I, oh, yeah, I absolutely. back from Montana because I'm like, I don't need to be in Los Angeles. Los Angeles kind of bums me out, especially right now. Uh, so I'm just like, I'll just get my car and, you know, if I need to, you know, have a bullshit Zoom meeting, I'll fucking pull into a Starbucks parking lot, you know? Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, I love seeing all your uh, your pictures, man. Yeah, it's fun. It chills me out. And then I come back here, and one weekend I'm back to, like, just having panic, just being like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, it's nice. It's nice to Chris, look. Chris, if you had a show in which people did things with you, what would that show be? Yeah. 
if I had a show where people got to do things with me, uh, I probably say, I mean, if you look at my Instagram, I, uh, I take a lot of pictures with burritos. So I probably take people Mexican restaurants. Yeah. I would take people to get different burritos. Um, I would maybe, um, I'm a big Yankee fan. Uh, so I'd probably take people to like, you know, Yankee, Yankee bars or, you know, to Yankee games, obviously if we could do that. But, um, I don't know, man, there's, there's so many different things I'd love to do. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, if I, if anything, I probably would try to do more traveling like you, man. I mean, dude, you're always, I love these pictures and I see you like out in like Utah and like, you know, Montana and stuff. And it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things that I, I, I get jealous cause I've never gotten to travel like that. Well, you can, I mean, I we don't have jobs right now. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I'm, I'm not doing shit. Let me just take out another credit card and let's go. You know, <laughs> no, it's cheap, man. I cheap in Bureau of Land Management. I don't pay for any campsites or anything. I just slowly, I've been camping for the last 10 years. So I've slowly built up like a, a nice, you know, amount of camp shit. Yeah. So I just like go and I find, I know uh, like public lands and you don't, it costs nothing. Oh, that's awesome. I yeah. went from the age of like 31 to 39 traveling the country mostly in cars with Billy Gardell, you know, from Mike and Molly. Oh, dude, that guy rules. Yeah, he's awesome. Oh, my God. I knew Gardell when he was 18 years old. He was already killing and writing jokes for me. But uh, <laughs> I feel like I've traveled too much, too many planes, too many airports, too many, you know. Well, I hate traveling for comedy. I love traveling for oh, when, that, when, oh, that's when different. I do, yeah, when it's going to be like, I'm just like, you know, hey, man, I, I'm I'm headed to a lake to swim. I'm not headed to not putting it down. I, I'll, I'll make up one. I'll make I'll, I'll say like fucking the Schenectady funny bone. I don't even know if that's a place, but like it's a <laughs> lot easier to get excited to get on a plane to go to Montana than a goddamn mall club that, you know, you're not going to sell out. Well, you make a really good point, because um, if I were going to get on a plane, uh, on a Friday afternoon to go to New Orleans for the weekend. Yeah. Plane didn't yeah, that, bother me at all. Exactly. It's so fun. But when you got to get on that plane Thursday morning at 530 in the morning oh. to go to fucking Lafayette, Louisiana to do, you know, eight shows, that's a less fun plane ride. And you got to do press. You go, you know, you get up so early to do press the next day too, right? When you get there and you're like, dude, fuck. Nobody cares. I have to say at 530 in the morning. I'll tell you something. I would I would still be doing clubs if it weren't for that press. If it wasn't why for that, you, why do you just stop? You can I like really put my foot down. I'm like I can't do this. This is messing with my mental. They were wanting me to get there a day early so I could do press and not even do a show. I go. This, this is not worth the money that you're putting into this. I don't know who's getting money from this. Uh, and that has helped a lot because I was going freaking nuts. You yeah, just, it's, it's too much, man. Yeah, because think about it. You get up at five o'clock in the morning. You're going to do four hours on the radio. You're going to you're going to give maximum performance at least two hours that morning. Okay, on no fucking sleep and frequently with jet lag. You show up to your eight o'clock show Friday night. You want to shoot yourself. It's like yeah, fuck you're, that. Yeah, you're sleeping in the hotel all day because like you didn't get any sleep. Like so you didn't get to see the city that you're visiting. Man, yeah. That was the part of, that's like the touring that I don't miss. But even now after COVID, I'm like, I would do that again. I would, <laughs> I would have no problem going to Schenectady and hanging out in a mall for a week. Yeah. I, really like, wish- I, I missed it so much. <laughs> Bring it back, please. I just wanted the option to turn it down. Yeah. yeah. If you offer me the Atlanta punchline tonight for next weekend, fuck yeah. 
Uh, well, yeah. Brooks, before you joined us, uh, Daryl and I were talking about what the state of comedy is now. And like, you know, over the weekend, I'm out in, you know, Ridgewood in, you know, Brooklyn, Queens area. And like, I'm just, I'm yelling on a sidewalk. I'm doing stand up on a fucking sidewalk in front of a brewery for no money and for a free beer because that's how much I miss it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, even, I, I thought about uh, my friend who camps with me a lot, Nick Thune, going up to Joshua Tree and there's a lot of national amphitheaters up there. Just maybe just making like a little flyer, like, Hey, you know, nine o'clock tonight yeah. over campsite 37 Brooks Wheeler, Nick Thune, put a couple of our credits and just like, just do something fun. Absolutely. You know? And you know what, who gives a fuck if, you know, it's only like five, 10 people. Cause it's like, no, exactly. dude, you're still I, I doing it. But even, you know, that sounds fun as fuck. Yeah. I mean, the sh- I did two shows last night here. They, and that's the most I've done in one night you know, in months, I mean, six months probably. And I did, um, so New York comedy club has like a private penthouse that they're renting. And so they're, they're using, it's the roof. They have a, like this own, their own small little roof. And, uh, I was, I did shows up there and the first show had probably like 20 some odd people. And then the second show had six, but I didn't care. Cause I was like, dude, I'm doing, I'm doing live standup again. Like, this is amazing. Like, and it was, yeah. And it felt safe, you know, it was, it was outside, you know, this, you're on a roof and most people wearing masks. And if they're not, it's because they're drinking something or whatever. And it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how we, you know, we go from doing these big co- clubs and theaters to all of a sudden we're just like, dude, anything I'll, I'll yell in the middle of central park. I don't give a fuck, you know, like, come on, bring me an audience. Yeah. And yet, and yet you were wondering before we started talking to Brooks, like, how long is this going on? And is is uh, is Governor Cuomo going to let shit like this continue? I heard Governor Cuomo was quack, cracking down on those shows. No, yeah, the, he is. I mean, the governor of New York is uh, is is trying to shut down all live comedy shows outside. Uh, and then he, but yet he still says it's okay if you have live music outside. And I was like, how the fuck is that fair? What is the difference? And they just think people get more drunk at comedy shows, and there'll be more, you know they'll spread the virus by not wearing their mask or not really washing their hands. Okay. Does that make any sense at no, all? No, it doesn't make sense. And it's fucking no, when I was at When I was at that Chainsmokers show, I was so wasted. <laughs> were you there? No, I'm fucking joking. <laughs> yeah, but I was when, like, when, please when, tell me you were there, please, so I can uh, hear about yeah, it. But, but, but who goes to live music to, and doesn't get trashed? You that's know? What I, I know. That's exactly. What I'm I, I just the fucking, the fun of it. Jesus Christ. It's, I you know, it's, it. It's so stupid. I mean, I don't know what things are like in L.A. I mean, I, the, the thing about L.A. is I was out there during the quarantine. My parents live in Orange County. So I was out in Orange County for four months. And, you know, I saw L.A. get worse and worse and worse. And then I saw New York got better. So I was just like, fuck it, I'm going back to New York. But, I mean, I don't know what they're doing out there. I don't know what Governor Newsom is, is up to. I don't know. I mean, my I was living out there and then all my stand-up shows got canceled for the whole year. And I... I was having 36, sometimes 48 hours at a time where I was by myself, sheltering in place. And that sucked. That sucks to be alone. Too much time to be stuck inside by yourself. I mean, I I started getting like sores on my face and shit, symptoms of solitary confinement. I mean, I I developed this huge vitamin D deficiency because I never went outside and it's fucked up. You know, I got to New York, and at least there's people outside walking around I can talk to. 
Yeah, I lucked out. I got, I lived with my girlfriend who likes to camp. And when it all went down, we went to Utah. We like, when it was like, hey, we're going to shut the state down. I was like, well, let's get the fuck out of the state. So we went to Utah and camped at, in Canyonlands for two weeks and uh, without like any service or anything. And then when we pop, we'd pop back into service to see if, you know, World War III had started or something. But then, but, uh, but yeah, it was like, cause I couldn't have done that. That would have drove me crazy. Yeah. I mean, are you, are you going to get back to doing stand up out there? I mean, is there really much stand up to do? Are people doing it outside out there? I don't no, know. I, don't, I think I talked to my friend about the difference between New York and LA stand up. And it's like, we don't necessarily love it as much as New York does, nor do we need it in this. You guys have a window of a summer where you have to have fun. Like yeah. you, your summer is fucked. We always, it's like always kind of summer out here. It so is, we're like, yeah. We'll get to it when we get to it. You guys are like, dude, October is next month. If we're <laughs> going to do these shows, we need to do them. You know, there's a little more like, um, more I guess, I immediacy needed yeah. in, for New York stand-up. I mean, I lived down, just down the hill from the comedy store, and I can remember being there on Saturday nights, and, and I would do a set, and then I'd stay for the second show and watch other people do sets. And I remember thinking, this is unbelievable. It's so fucking good. You know, and then I'd walk home down the hill and shit. And plus, in West Hollywood, there was always a street fair. There was something, some festivity. It's always, it's always, it felt like the French Quarter a lot to me. You know, it was just a great place to live. And then it flatlined. Yeah. I mean, fucking, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, not to... I talked with my like uh, reps yesterday or whatever, and just do, and I was like, "Look, I don't need to be the first guy out there doing stand up, but I also don't need to be the last guy. Like, I'll do it when it's acceptable again." And they're like, "Well, fucking everything's closing. Like, it's gonna be different. So who knows?" Uh, I know, I know they're doing like parking lot shows and shit like that. Like, I know they're doing it at the Magic Castle. And oh, really? You, they put a stage out outside, but everyone's in their cars. Yeah. So I mean that uh, the woman but tell tell them he, they honk right yeah they either honk or they're supposed to flash their lights at you if they like your joke so you you're not really hearing the laughter it's just odd I don't know man I I didn't think I was like down to take a break from stand up but not this long you know oh yeah I, I think everybody could always use a break from this shit for a little while but not this long right totally totally I, I would like yeah to- I did a I did one storytelling show that, and I told a story that I did in my stand-up that always got laughs for me. It was a real reliable piece. And to tell that story and not hear a sound, whew, that fucked my head up. <laughs> yeah, I did one Zoom show and retired after it because it was just so it – it, it shook my confidence. Hell yeah. yeah I don't it's a little care. weird, man. I couldn't do I, Zoom I could shows. Not, I could not use my brain to get me to understand that I was not bombing this was a COVID show, you know, that didn't mean shit to my brain. My brain was like, I don't hear laughs. <laughs> That's what yeah. I, I don't it's, hear it just nobody felt unnatural. I mean, am I, I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm a st- too much of a stand-up purist or whatever the fuck you want to say, but I think stand-up belongs, it's an art that belongs in front of a live audience. You know? We don't go watch stand-up in a movie theater that's not live, you know? Like, yeah. It's fun, you know. It's fun to watch a special, of course, but it's different. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's the best. It's great. <laughs> Before we go, Daryl, I, I have a question. So you do yeah. Trump? 
How you've met him? How you have to have met him, right? Have you met him? Yeah. Oh yeah. What's how? Can you get? Do you got any sto- stories about him? He's, what is he like? I, I, I think I have. A, I think I have a lot of stories. I think I. I don't. You know, I've been talking to um, this friend of mine who's like it's really famous reporter, and he's always like trying to pick my brain. Like, what the fuck is Trump? What is what is this guy? Right. And um, I don't know. I I don't actually know. I never saw anyone that uh, accused his accuser before. Right. I, the, the techniques, he, the, the fake news was genius, planting that idea in our mind that this could all, this, this may be only partially true or not even true at all. You know, to plant that idea in our mind so that we, we approached every news story um, in person. Uh, the thing I will say is, I walked out of his office the first time, uh, and I said to um, Steve Higgins from SNL, I, I said, I think he's a genius. I just don't know at what. <laughs> and, and I'm not – I didn't mean it as a joke as, at the time, but his ability to sense weak – like, he, you you be talking, me and Higgins, we'll be talking. And while we're talking, Trump would be doing this what, like this. He'd, he'd be doing this way. Eyes narrow. He reminded me of the Velociraptors in Jurassic Park (laughs) because he was looking for the weakness. His ability to sense weakness in others. um, The first time, I guess, the first time I met him, he walked up to me and he was like, "You're this terrific person. I think you're really terrific. You're going to make all this money." It's going to be huge. You know, that was his opening line to me. Yeah. You know, he didn't say, hi, I'm Donald. And then one time I had a dinner with him. I did a dinner for him for, and Melania was sitting next to me, or him. And on the other side was Commissioner Ray Kelly. And at one point, and first of all, at this dinner, he was fucking funny as shit. And at one point, he, he looked up and he said about this fam- fam- very fam- famous person, he goes, he goes uh, do you think this guy is a retard? <laughs> Seriously, is he a retard? And M- Melania's like, who, who is a retard? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't even want to, I don't want to say the guy's name because, you know, something tells me I don't want Donald Trump mad at me. Um, he's always been really nice to me. I mean, you know, he tweeted about me a couple of years ago. Uh, but boy, I don't know what he is, but I remember telling people at, uh, Politicon a, a few years ago at that convention out there, I was like, you guys are wrong to, to laugh this guy away. You're not yeah. right. You know, he's sure he's got his, he's got this hair, he's got, you know, orange face he's in, and he's dopey and, and Democrats. So desperately, every Democrat could get a laugh at every cocktail party. By, by calling this guy a dope, and I kept saying to him, just because he doesn't know what the Magna Carta is, doesn't mean he can't steal your shit. Do you understand? Yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean he can't over overrun your life. He understands power, how to get it, how to keep it, how to use it. Um, to definitely a guy that you don't want to fuck around with. And, of course, everyone thought I was an idiot. Uh, <laughs> but I wasn't. I was right. Yeah. He's, he's not someone to fuck with. You know, no, don't fuck with this guy. He's the only dude who 
I, I mean, I, like he would be like blowing a guy and he'd walk in and then he would like, he would call you gay for watching him blow a guy. Like he's <laughs> like that. That's how I do Well, it'd be like your, your, your girlfriend comes home and you're fucking her sister and it's your fault. Right. <laughs> he's going to make it your fault. I mean, where do you learn how to do shit like that? You know? I don't know, man. It's wild. He's, be- he's because in, in D.C., apparently it goes a long way. <laughs> you can go really <laughs> far in politics with his skills. And I think people will be studying him for a thousand years like, what the hell? What? what? I mean, him getting in front of the ele- helicopter, right? Right. Giant military machine. His arms outstretched. He has to yell to be heard. Right. Got it? It has this messianic thing about it. It's us against them. They're doing... It's not me they want, it's you. I'm just in your way. And once he establishes that, he can say any goddamn thing. Some of the word salads he used, the distortion fields, are fun. <laughs> because, listen, to really be regarding him, I'll just use that word, to be with him, to be around him, to be regarding him, is to be off balance. Because you're not sure where this is going. You know, he's up there going, no collusion with Russia. And then he's like, and east is east and west is west. And if you print, you know, take cranberries and stew them like applesauce, they're much more like prunes than rhubarb. You know, he's saying these fucking word salads. And, and <laughs> you're always a little bit off guard. Yeah, that's a good, I've never, that's a great way to put it. He makes everyone unbalanced. He, he makes you confused. Yeah, and we are confused as we watch him. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad What? Because he says things with utter authenticity. Right. Oh, my God, does he believe this. He's so passionate about this, you know? Yeah. Um, before we, uh, before we wrap things up here, Brooks, um, usually we, our podcast is called the third person and, uh, you're our third person obviously today, but what we do is we ask people to tell us a story at the end of our podcast. Uh, if you have one, if you don't, no problem. But like we try to say, all right, if you have a wild story, whether it's from SNL or anything else, uh, you know, let us know. And if you're worried about incriminating somebody, you know, or yourself, uh, you can tell it from the third person. No, I, I, I don't know. I've just, um, I got in a, I got in a fight with some I'm proud of it. Proud of what I did on my camping trip. I found a good campsite uh, on this place. Uh, I, won't, I won't. I won't blow it up. It was like kind of a secret <laughs> spot, but it was okay. a nice spot uh, with a great view of the Tetons. And I went in, and I, it was. I found this spot. It was incredible. And then I went in and went swimming from the Tetons all day. And then I came back, and these two assholes were like sitting, setting up their shit like in my sight. And it's kind of like an un. You don't. You don't crowd people. Also, you don't show up to a national park on like a Friday night at eight and think you're going to find a fucking spot. 
So I was pretty yeah. pissed. Well, plus I it's COVID like, too. You got all the Corona stuff. You don't yeah, want I was somebody like, that I got, my, I got my shit here and they're like, well, you weren't here. I'm like, you don't sit on your site. And so I got pretty heated. Me and these, I was yelling at a two 65 year old, a 65 year old couple. Like, uh, <laughs> I like yelled at this woman. I was like, did you throw my fucking chair? And she was like, and I, I go, did you throw my fucking chair, bitch? And then she was like, her husband was like, did you call my wife a bitch? I go, no, I was actually talking to you. And I am just <laughs> living. And I, it's like a new rage because I was so excited to come back to my perfect site. And then I started telling them, I was like, I have a bunch of people going. We were going to have a big fucking party. I have 30 buds rolling up tonight. And I started playing music really loud and like over <laughs> here and just staring at them. And uh, then I realized like, oh, they're, my lie is going to really unfold in the morning when it, no one came. So I had to like pretend in a no cell phone. There's no cell phone anywhere. I was like, hold on. And then I pretended to talk to my, to no one. I go, my friends found a better site. And then I stormed off. Um, Were you by yourself? But I was really because, well, yeah, I just, I mean, I drew, I packed up my shit and left, but I told everybody who was looking for sites down in this parking lot at the end of the fucking little mountain that I was camping on. I was like, campsite 33 is open. There's a, there's a couple in there. I told them that I was, that I gave it to them. And I, I told them that uh, I was going to give it to everybody who couldn't find a spot tonight because I'm leaving so late. Um, and just tell them the dude from Iowa sent you. And so they were all like, Oh my God, thank you so much. And I like <laughs> to hope I ruined this fucking couples weekend <laughs> so i'm really proud of that some petty anger uh that happened recent i'm pretty proud of it and nicely man. nicely done brooks thank you yeah that's i was amazing. like fuck those guys how can i get a back perfect idea later you, you like you turn into the hulk you turn into bruce banner yeah, you, was, just, you, you got pissed and burned the whole fucking place down and fuck you. I was so mad. Don't set up, man. I had my perfect site. But also, you know, I, I know the, the rules of camping, but it's, it's Corona too. Like, why would you want to set up something so close to someone else? Or if you see somebody else's shit, why would you want to even go near it or touch it? Dude, and you know? Like, fuck it. Dude, I was just so steamed. They, they were the most, just, they were the most Trump people ever. They're like, you don't own this land. And I'm like, I know I don't, but it's a fucking campsite. What are you talking about? Like, no one owns this. <laughs> Should have been like, are you Native American? Do you own this? Like, what, where, what, how are we doing this? I asked them where they were from, and they said, uh, Ohio, uh, but in the winters, Florida. And I go, of fucking course you are. I was just, uh, I was so angry. <laughs> It was, they really knew how to push my buttons, which was just ruin my peaceful camping. <laughs> so I guess that's my fun story that I'm proud of. That, well, well uh, thanks for sharing that, man. I appreciate at it. At least uh, you stood up for yourself. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I was like, well, yeah. I was like, do I sleep next to these people and just ha- get no sleep because I'm boiling with rage? And then I uh, realized no. Yeah, fuck it. Time to, time to pack up and get. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, is there anything that you'd, uh, you'd like to promote on your uh, Um Yeah, I, I have a podcast called Entry Level where I talk about everybody's jobs. I'd love to have both of you guys on it sometimes. Uh, right. I just interviewed Doug Stanhope. He's this week's uh, about all the jobs he had before. It's, about, it's a podcast about the, the jobs you did before you made it in um, whatever your profession is now, like be it music, comedy, art, whatever. Amazing, so man. It's, it's really interesting. I love it. We just had 150 episodes, so... Uh, I guarantee like you go through the library of everybody I've interviewed. There's one person you will be interested. In. Oh like, yeah, no absolutely. 
That's so, what we're, uh, we're hoping to do with this podcast is try to bring in at least one person every week that somebody would, you know, maybe doesn't know or have heard of, yeah. or, even if you I have got, heard of, them, you know, I've got an eclectic library of people I've interviewed. I, and I, I'll reach out to you guys. I'd love to have both of you guys on it sometime. It'd be really fun. Sounds great. I'd like man. to do it. Reach oh, out. Yeah, man. And then, that uh, really Brooke, That's Brooke, it, um, your, uh, social media is at Brooks Whelan. Yeah. At Brooks Whelan, please follow. Go check him out. I definitely sure. see him live. It's very funny, dude. Live, I can get. They have definitely vouched for that. Done many of shows at Brooks over the years. Uh, Brooks, thank you so much for being a, a, a part hey, of our hey, podcast. Man. It was great talking to you, and Chris, it was always, always great to talk to you. Always great, great to talk to you, buddy. Thank you again for being on. Bye. All right, buddy. See you later. Right, take care. And that is our podcast. What a great guest, Brooks Whelan. Love that guy. That was a really nice one, dude. Yeah, it's it's always interesting whenever we have um you know a, a former SNL cast member. Obviously, it's just a cool bond that you you guys have, whether you work together or not, um or you know just because you both were at the same place on a cool show. Yeah, but, uh, Brooks is great, and I really hope you guys do listen to his podcast and check out his social media. Um, while you're at it, guys, I just want to remind you before we uh, go, please. Please give us uh, a nice rating on uh, on the iTunes and all that good stuff. Anywhere you get your podcasts, give us a thumbs up. Leave us some nice comments. Um, you know, make sure you follow both of us on our social media. Daryl is now officially verified on Instagram. So make yeah. sure follow him. His uh, his handle on social media is Daryl C. Hammond. And my handle is uh, Chris Milhouse, C-H-R-I-S-M-I-L-L-H-O-U-S-E. Uh, and, uh, this has been the third person podcast. Uh, we're looking forward to next week. We've got some great guests coming up. We'll, uh, talk to you guys then. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, everyone.